Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show post semifinal edition the ball has not dropped yet. It is 10:51 on the East Coast. The game is still going on. Michigan just scored what I can only assume is a pity touchdown, and Georgia is already deep in Michigan territory again. Ari Wasserman, this has been an absolutely boring day of college football. The semi is disappointed again, as usual. And so now we're left to explain to people why. 12 teams would still be more interesting than four because you can't really get much less interesting than this. Yeah, I guess what you what you say is if you add 12 teams, then at least you'll get a round or two of entertaining games before it turns into this. Right. And and that's that's the thing. I was just talking to some some of our subscribers at The Athletic on, on one of our live rooms, which, by the way, we do those every once in a while. You can pop on, ask us questions. It's sort of like a call-in radio show except on the app. Uh that was what we were talking about is what would some of these games look like? And I, I, I mentioned the Peach Bowl because I thought I thought the Peach Bowl was a lot of fun. Kenneth Walker III didn't play for Michigan State. Kenny Pickett didn't play for Pitt. It was still a really fun game. But imagine if that game had been the 8-9 the game at Spartan Stadium with both of those guys playing. That would have been a lot of fun. Yeah. It's like you have to add to the playoff to make it interesting for a few more weeks before it gets boring again. Yeah. It's like, you're not adding to the playoff or expanding the playoff because it's going to open the doors of opportunity for more teams to win the national championship. You're doing it. So you have fun games with, with manufactured stakes until it gets to the point where the teams with all the best players end up blowing out. Whoever ends up winning the Michigan state pit game. And it's like, I know that's like a hard thing to say. And like, you know, the, the hope is that the expanded playoff will help even out the numbers a little bit, but it's just, I don't another, think it, I, I don't know, th- know that it would, but I'd still rather have those fun games ahead of this because this sucks. Yeah. But the expanded playoff to me, it's like I have this image and even in the column that I wrote from the, from the cotton bowl, I think I used the word. It's like all the games that would lead into the final four games. It would just be like a bunch of cows being led in through uh, a shoot down the way to the slaughterhouse because the boogeyman is going to be <laughs> sitting there waiting. The for- cows have some fun before the, the electrocution. Am I the cow in this them. scenario? Or is the fan the cow? Like, who's the cow? I like, no, I don't think you're the cow. That's a first That's the t-shirt, by the way. <laughs> Ari, you're not the cow. <laughs> so, no, but it's interesting because this is, this is sort of, this is your thesis. This is, this is the end of PCU where that guy who, who was doing the, the thesis on whether you can always find Michael Caine or Gene Hackman on your TV at some point, which people with streaming services would never even understand what that joke even means. This is you getting up. This is my thesis. Like this is the stars matter thesis. Like 
Alabama and Georgia blowing out their opponents in the semis because they have the best players is exactly what you've been telling everyone, and no one wants to hear it, but here we are. Andy, I wish I I could sit here and do this 40-minute podcast with you and do victory laps and act like I'm some sort of genius and like I'm some profound thought creator, and it's just like, dude, it's just obvious. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even feel everyone's like, this is a big vindication of Ari Wasserman's Stars Matter thesis. And it's just like, has anybody been watching this sport for the past decade or the past 20 years? Like every single team that wins the national championship, this is the stat. There's only been three teams in the, in the history of modern day recruiting dating back to 2000 that have won a national championship without signing a top five class in any of the previous four years. And it was Clemson twice with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence and Auburn when they had Cam Newton and all three of those teams signed top 10 classes. So it's like, you know, okay. I think that we have to convince ourselves during the regular season to be entertained that a Cincinnati or a Michigan or whatever Cinderella is going to get into the playoff is going to end up beating Alabama and have the upset. Like we want like, like in the story. And I always use this, this Rudy comparison because it kind of makes everybody feel good. But I wrote this graph in the story that I wrote or the Alabama column that I wrote from the game. We all want to cling to the idea that there will be a major upset on this stage, that the real life embodiment of the of the movie Rudy, where heart trumps talent will manifest on ESPN with the entire world watching. But that's just not how the sport works. So, like, you know, if if, if I want to pretend like I'm some sort of visionary for just pointing out that the team that has nine first round draft picks on the roster um, beating the team that has zero is some sort of like profound thought, then fine, I'll take all the credit in the world. But like, it's just the way the sport is. It's not unique. If Cincinnati would have won the national championship this year or Michigan would have won the national championship this year, then, you know, we could have a discussion of just like, how much does all this other stuff matter? But like at the end of the road, what do we arrive at? We arrived at the top two talented teams in the two, four, seven composite rankings playing for the national championship. Am I smart or is it just obvious? It's obvious, but you still get credit for, for saying it correctly. You know, you say it correctly at a time when people don't want to hear it. So maybe people like think of you as if there are people who want to believe that they're not seeing what they're seeing and that it's something else. And there's some other explanation. And sometimes there's not. Sometimes it is the obvious thing. And that's what it is. Now, let's talk about Georgia and Alabama, though, because I think that is an intriguing national title game matchup. And I know you're going to have folks saying, well, we just saw that game and Alabama crushed them. I'm not picking against Alabama again. As we pointed out on the night of the SEC championship game, we're out of the business of picking against Alabama. I want to that so bad. Said, I know you do. That said, could it have been that that was Alabama's best game and Georgia's worst? And that as they kind of move back toward the mean, that there's a real good chance this could be a good game. So live ahead look look lines before the games on Friday had Georgia as a two-point favorite, a hypothetical matchup against Alabama. I think that Alabama is going to be receiving points again uh, next Monday. Like, I, I think they're going to be dogs. So the question is, and this is the thing that I've been thinking about all day. First of all, Alabama minus 13 and a half and Georgia minus seven and a half are the two easy bets in the history of mankind. And like, it's all overthinking. And like, I wonder sometimes, do we completely misunderstand how good Georgia was? Cause they had a bad game and like, maybe, yes. you know, maybe yes, they, because ma- I think, 
there's a significant portion of the college football watching population and definitely the the casual fan that isn't a Georgia fan or 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 isn't an SEC team fan that didn't see them regularly during the regular season was like, oh, they didn't play anybody. The first time they played anybody good, they got smoked. They can't be that good. That is what a lot of people thought. Which, if you watch Georgia all year, I think most people who watch Georgia all year were like, that game feels like an anomaly. They're still really good. Georgia sucked the life out of everybody on their schedule. Except Alabama. And I guess if you say that, it's just like, okay, here we go again. Georgia choking against good teams. But in this specific game against Michigan, Michigan is f- built far more closely to the middle tier SEC teams that Georgia sucked the life out of than it is built like Michigan. So if you think that losing to Alabama by whatever they lost to is an indication that Georgia's overrated and they suck, that that's kind of what I think a lot of people thought. But coming into this game, Georgia did to Michigan what it did to everybody on their schedule in the regular season. So the question here isn't whether or not Georgia is one of the two best teams in college football. I think it certainly is. The question is whether or not Kirby Smart can figure out a game plan for four quarters that can beat Alabama. And I think that it's certainly fair to criticize his inability to do so. I think he's 0-4 against Saban. And Saban, I think, is 25-0 yeah. and 0 or 25-1 and 1 they, against they former got, assistants. They got Bryce Young on the ground zero times. And much teams that fared much worse during the season, Auburn, LSU, and Texas A&M, got him on the ground a lot. I don't know know if LSU got him on the ground a ton, but I think they did. I know they got pressure on him. I do know that Auburn and A&M hit him a lot. You you want to know the, the funniest thing too, Andy? This is the worst or the second worst Alabama team in the playoff era. I would agree with that. So, and that that means like being the the dumbest person at Harvard who got a fifteen eighty right. on the still, SAT. You still I'm not go saying to they're not exactly not very good. <laughs> they're of course they're yeah. a, a very good football team, but the thing that's the craziest about this, and and the thing that you know makes Saban so great is that even the teams that should have a step back year, a ten and two year, or a nine and nine and three year in the SEC, depending on how the schedule falls are still in a position to win a national championship. And like, to me, that's the thing that blows my mind, you know, over and over and over again. And I don't know that it should, because, you know, I, I read a, I I had a stat against Cincinnati and and of course the Cincinnati stat isn't the same, but a top 150 player nationally in their recruiting led Alabama in passing, rushing, receiving sacks, tackles for loss all in this game. They were all top 150 (laughs) players nationally. And yeah, Cincinnati only had two top 150 players nationally on their entire roster, both of which were transfers. So like, it's just like the way that these teams are built and Jason Starrett, you know, helped me look up that stat. So he deserves credit for it, but it's just like against Georgia, when you take that out the window, both teams are, are built similarly. And to me, that's when watching an Alabama game is the most compelling, when the other team isn't just going to lose because they don't have the talent or aren't equipped with the talent to compete. So now can Georgia come up with a game plan? Um, you know, we always say all the time it's hard to beat the same team twice. Um, you know, I still believe that theory, especially now when you're playing well, another neutral site game. The last year that Georgia made the national title game, you had a situation where Georgia got smoked by a really good team and came back and crushed that team several weeks later. 
It was Auburn in that case where they lost the game at Auburn and then beat them in the SEC championship game. And you can say, well, carry on Johnson got hurt, blah, blah, blah. But it looked like two different teams. And I think that's, if, if you're a Georgia fan, you're clinging to that. You're hoping that is the situation that it was a bad game plan. They chose poorly schematically and that they will be much more ready to play this time. The I thing- don't, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think that is definitely a feasible possibility. I don't know if you can do this. So you tell me if it doesn't, if it doesn't compute, but the way that Alabama played on Friday against Cincinnati matched with the way that Georgia played against Michigan. I think Georgia looked better and is better. Like if the you way like that Alabama played against Cincinnati on Friday looked more like the Alabama team we saw for most of the season. And that was still a dominating where, victory where Cincinnati had no right, chance to do there anything. Were, there were moments of brilliance and moments of what are we doing? There were three quarters of what are yeah. we doing? Um, and yeah. they could have just ran the ball over and over again against Cincinnati and won the game. I don't even think, I honestly think that Alabama could have won the game, not throwing it once. Um, but, Oh, I think you're right. Georgia the first drive. I was yeah. actually shocked that they threw the pass to Bolden to end the first drive because I figured they'd just try to make a point. We'll be right back after these words. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Georgia just did what it always does against a team that I think is probably better than Cincinnati. So. Yeah. Like the last time we saw this Michigan. Well, we, okay. We saw this Michigan team crush Iowa in the big 10 championship game. We saw them physically dominate Ohio state. Ohio state Mm -hmm. has really good players. Like Michigan is not a bad team and they just got thumped by Georgia. I will tell you one thing. Ohio State was clearly soft this year. Michigan is not equipped from a talent standpoint to beat an Ohio State type team two weeks in a row or two games in a row. Cincinnati is not equipped to beat Alabama and then Georgia in back to back games. So like this is a weird game, a weird sport. Certain games happen this way all the time where the worst team athletically has the perfect game plan or wants it more or, or plays tougher and wins a game. Michigan is the undeniable Big Ten champ. They kicked the crap out of Ohio State, and they should cherish that and hold on to that every single day for the next 300 and whatever days until they play them again. I'm not saying that Michigan didn't deserve it. The, the question is whether or not you think that that game was enough to believe that they could have beaten Georgia and Alabama in back-to-back games. And I think if you did a Madden simulation of that of those three games in a row, a million times they would win z- all three zero. Like I don't, I don't think they could win all three of those games in a row if you played it a million times in a row. Right, right. No, Georgia and Alabama were the two that are equipped to win two games in this scenario. In this scenario, right. and and now they're going to play each other. So that's and if Cincinnati or Michigan what you want is the two best teams, and if Cincinnati and that's, that's or Michigan would have won one of the games on Friday, then the team Georgia or Alabama that was still standing for the championship game would have had the easiest path to a national championship in the history of the playoff. Yeah, we would not be looking forward to 
to what happens next. And that's the like, thing I'm too. This is like, to this game. I had a lot of, I had a lot of like everybody is I've, I've seen a lot of comments on Twitter and then you tell me what you think of this, but a lot of comments on Twitter are just like, Oh, great. Now we get to watch a rematch of the sec championship game in January. Nobody wants to watch that. And like my whole thing. And I kicked around a few column ideas for after the, after the cotton bowl. And one of them was that fans want parody until they get it. And like, to me, right. and I don't know if it's just me, but like, I would much rather watch a competitive Alabama, Georgia game than Alabama playing Michigan or Georgia playing Cincinnati in the national championship game, because we got like anybody who watched the cotton bowl, that was a very boring, entertaining game where one team clearly had no chance to win from start to finish. So it's like, it was a heartwarming story. We gave Cincinnati the spot in the playoff because there was nobody that earned it more. I'm not saying that it wasn't a season for them to remember, but that wasn't fun. So, well, it's sort of like the, the NCAA basketball tournament. You want Florida Gulf coast, to win in the first weekend. Like you want them to get to the sweet 16, but once you get to the elite eight, you want Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina and Kansas. Like yeah. that, you want the superpowers. And I think that's, that's the thing here in the championship game. You want the superpowers and you got them. You got the two superpowers. Now for the folks who don't like the sec too bad, the two biggest superpowers were in the sec this year. Yeah, and, and most years where yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's the thing too, and this was what my whole column was all about. Everybody's going to give Cincinnati crap, and they're going to say, you know what, we should stop considering the group of five. Uh, if you're not in a Power Five conference, you know this is a joke. You know we're just going to take the best Power Five team. But the fact of the matter is, is that this isn't a group of five versus power five discussion. This is an elite versus the non-elite. And to be honest, I think Cincinnati fared just so here's the stat. It's like Notre Dame. It's like when when Notre Dame plays a, you know, this kind of game in a semifinal. It's the same exact game. Oh, they didn't belong there. This proves they didn't belong. No, it doesn't. Doesn't prove anything. Yeah. Also, Ohio State got their doors blown off in the championship game against last year's Alabama team. But of the 14 playoff games heading into this year, seven of the results were decided by more than 20 points or 20 or more points. Then with the results this year, it's two more. So more than half of the playoff games in the existence of the CFP era dating back to 2013, more than half have been blowouts. So like Cincinnati is going to get ridiculed and people are going to make fun of them for not being able to compete. But the fact of the matter is, is this Michigan couldn't compete with Alabama this year. Oklahoma state couldn't compete with Alabama this year. Baylor couldn't compete with Alabama this year. All the six other teams, Ohio state certainly couldn't based on what they, what they've shown. This isn't a Cincinnati problem. This is an elite versus versus not elite. This is the haves and have nots. The, the team the team that has the chance to beat Alabama is the one that is playing Alabama. And like, I'm going to get called a major homer right now. Okay. And I'm used to it, but who do you think would have played a closer game indoors uh, against Georgia this, this afternoon, Michigan or Ohio state, Michigan or Ohio state. If you had to run it back, this Ohio state team, I still think it's probably Michigan. Yeah. I mean, maybe it is, but like this Ohio state, like, this Ohio we're State offense this. would have scored a bunch of points, right I game. think. Ohio State may prove us completely wrong in the Rose Bowl. No, they but might if Utah lose. looks anything like Utah looked in the Pac-12 title yeah. game, Utah's going to roll over Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe this isn't the right the right time to do it. But I want. I just feel like talent is the ingredient that you absolutely need. And even when teams are flawed, if they have the talent, 
it gives them a fighting chance. And if you don't have the talent, you just don't have a shot. And it's just the sad reality of the way the game works. And the same thing too, is like Clemson wasn't a very good team this year, but like, I wonder if Clemson with a month to prepare for Georgia would have had a better opportunity to compete with the talent that they have on their roster than Michigan did, you know? And maybe that's not fair. That's not the way the sport works, but uh, not this Clemson team. Did you, did you watch the cheese at bowl? No, I know, but I'm just saying I'm, I watched the playoff games. Like it's like Michigan <laughs> yeah. had no shot like zero. Well, I, I just, I, I just think there's some, te- some years there are four elite teams or yeah. four, four teams at the top that are close. Like 2017, I would argue that there were three of the four teams. And, and the funniest thing is that the number one seed in that playoff was the worst of the four. That was the, the Clemson team that had Kelly Bryant starting quarterback. But Oklahoma, Alabama, and Georgia all were kind of the same that year. I mean, I think there's a and, lot of teams that were eliminated from previous college football playoffs in the last five years that would be the unquestionable best team this year. I think you, that were beaten in the playoff or didn't yeah, even make teams that have te- like the like teams that have lost in oh, the past yeah, championship the, the games. 2019, are, 2019 Ohio State. 2019 yeah. Ohio State would be doing very well in this year's playoff. Yeah. So, you know, but like, listen, if you look at the at the at the composite talent rankings from 2021, it's Alabama, Georgia, one, two championship game, whatever. But you got Ohio State. Clemson, LSU, Oklahoma, Florida, A&M, Oregon, USC, Texas, Notre Dame, Miami, Auburn, and then Michigan. And it's just like, what had to happen to create all the, all the, the field to, to be the way that all these teams that are, are super talented just sucked this year. And like, I don't know if that's partially because it's a weird year coming off a pandemic or if there's a bunch of super seniors or just, it was just, um, crazily dysfunctional. I don't know what it is, but most years that's not the way it looks. Yeah. This is, this is a little bit weird year. I think. Yeah, I, I, don't, I think like it'll take it'll be another 10 years in and the playoff will expand again before we see a playoff field like this again. Yeah. You got Georgia players tossing oranges. Stetson Bennett throwing oranges. He completed a lot of passes. One time when I was in high passes. school, I got into a fight with my brother and I threw an orange at him from across the house uh, as hard as I could. And it unfortunately hit him right in the face and the nose and he was bled all over his shirt and stuff. And then he locked him. I didn't break his nose, but like I threw an orange at him and it like he bled everywhere. And then like, it was like a whole thing. So when you said throwing oranges, (laughs) that's what I remembered. Well, that's probably the best throw you've ever like that. That's your moment right there. That, I would have gunned somebody down from center field with that orange throw. Do we? Ha- I was going to say, do we have the radar gun on you on that one? <laughs> yeah, so it was at least 40 miles an hour. Let's move past the, the semis in the playoff and talk a little bit about the games we've seen so far this week. Because I, I feel like we've gotten some nice, entertaining bowl games. It's not, not a ton, but I enjoyed the Cheez-It Bowl. It wasn't the greatest display of offensive firepower. It was it was two pretty good defenses going at it. Uh, the the Tennessee Purdue game was crazy, and I still think Tennessee got job there in overtime. But it was a it was a fascinating game. What's the rule game. there, Andy? If you get stopped from forward progress for two seconds, the play's over. Like, what's the physical rule? I don't think there's a. I don't believe there's is it a, a judgment call to it. I, it's a judgment call of when was your forward progress stop, but. 
if you watch that now, I, I know the the officiating experts have said the whistle's irrelevant. The whistle comes after he's broken the plane, but he is still moving. His feet are still churning. He is a top a tackler. So I, I just and and there's nobody running in. There's no headlinesman or line judge running in to spot the ball, which which is what would happen when they de- determine that that Ford Progress has been stopped. And that's the part that to me that because there's, there's a there's an official and I, I don't know who was on what side if they were on the the line judges side or the headlinesman side, but they were right there. That official's right there on the goal line, like watching watching it from a few feet away. Like that official should have been sprinting in, hand raised, here's the spot, if they felt forward progress was stopped, but they didn't. So I do think, now, would Tennessee have definitely won that game? I don't know. I mean, that game was wild. Purdue might have scored, that might have gone 10 overtimes for all we know. But, you know, I don't, I don't think it takes away Can from a really good. you just let the really Big good, Ten have one? I, the Big Ten's had everything. They <laughs> until Michigan lost, they were undefeated in bowl I like play. A, I have a hard time. I have a hard time digesting bowl games. But like, is Purdue without its two best players like really on par with Tennessee? Like, like are those programs like well, the same? Them? No, I know, but like, it's just the bowl games are just so weird. Like. Tennessee is weird. not and, Purdue. Are they see, Purdue? I don't, I don't mind the weirdness of it. I, I kind of like the randomness. Like South Carolina starting to carry in Joyner, who, by the way, was a blue chip quarterback recruit that had been moved to receiver years earlier. And, and you know, then they split him and Zeb Nolan up. Like them coming together to beat North Carolina and Sam Howell, like, okay. That's great. <laughs> like the SEC was 0-4 in bowls going into that game. That was the one game I would have said they're definitely not winning. And it was the first one the SEC won. I will and then say, Shane Beamer got dumped with Mayo. I will say that if I'm going to do a victory lap on the Stars Matter premise, I will say that North Carolina really let us down this year. That they did. Now, the star I think the Stars Matter kicks in for real next year. But they were still number 18. They were the second highest they rated were. ACC team, and they lost seven games this year. They did. Speaking of teams that lost seven games, Auburn paid a lot of money to get worse. A lot of money to get worse. I mean, I had a feeling I, that was going to happen the second they got, I, even before they made their next hire, when it became clear that Malzahn was moving on, or that they were moving on from Malzahn, I thought there's a really good chance they made a mistake here. Well, that's one of those, if you're going to make that move, you better have a really good plan. And the way that search went, it was clear they didn't have a plan. It was just, we want someone who isn't Gus. And so basically what you get is a 6-7 and seven team where Brian Harson's trying to make excuses for why they went 6-7, and seven, and Dana Holgerson sitting outside the press conference going, hurry up, hurry up, I won this game. I want to get in there and talk so I can get out of here. Like, what that that's the indignity that you're you're you've been brought down to after you paid twenty point five million dollars to the last guy to not coach there anymore. Yeah. Also, if you're doing uh, any sort of excuse making for why your team took a step back, you're off to a really bad start. You well, sometimes it was, just it was have to not take really your lumps. excuse making. It was more. 
it was more you can't see the progress we're making, but we're making progress, which you can say that, but until I see it, I'm not going to believe you. Yeah. The fact that you kept Tank Bigsby is a, is a good sign. I think that's good. <laughs> but that's the only positive sign I've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, what would you want to look for if you're looking at a new coach? You know, first-year coaches uh, on the field results well, are are Shane, one thing. Shane Beamer won seven games with a, t- with a roster that probably should have won two or three. Yeah. Like, I consider that progress. You I might, consider what Josh Heupel did at Tennessee to be progress. You might think I'm crazy, and, you know, maybe I am. But, like, I also don't get – like, I love Shane Beamer, by the way. I, th- I love his personality. I love his frank nature. I love the fact that he went out and got Spencer Rattler. They made some some pretty big wins in recruiting. I don't get too hyped up about more wins than you expected for year one year one coaches. Like you might look at Josh Heupel okay. and you might look at Mel Tucker and and you might look at right. Shane Beamer and go, these well, are Mel all Tucker's hits. Year two, but year one, year was two, yeah, years yeah, yeah. And you might look at all these early returns and just go, wow, these guys nailed it. And it's just like we are seven months away from starting a new season and like stuff can go off the rails real quickly from guys that you want to label wins. Like I want to look at oh, program 100%. infrastructure. That's why you, you don't give them a hundred million dollar guaranteed contract, even though some, some schools have done that, <laughs> but you don't do that. Like you don't extend them out into infinity because they had a good year. You need to see it more than once. I know she was interested. I agree with you on that. But I do think it's interesting that, you know, what what you can do is changing. Like South Carolina has some momentum now. Spencer Rattler's coming. Other teams, though, can catch them or can, can improve as well. Like Auburn, you know what Auburn can do, Ari? If Auburn gets a great quarterback out of the transfer portal, then Auburn could be just fine. And we're talking about how wrong we were about Brian Harson this this time a year from now. Yeah. Um Auburn's class is this is the, this is the hardest. They closed thing. very well. They closed very well. They closed well. very well. And you and I think that that's more important than anything that he might say or do in a bowl game or a, a press conference. But the fact of the matter is that Auburn also didn't sign a single top 100 player and their class, which ranks number 13 nationally, which is a respectable ranking, is sixth in the SEC. And that's just like, I don't know how guys in that conference stay sane. <laughs> they they don't. They have giant buyouts. Yeah. They, they don't stay sane at all. They they coach until they get bought out or they win the national title. There's, there's really only two ways to go. So, yeah, it's just it's just a hard existence there. But I'm I'm high on Shane Beamer. Yeah, I I think this is gonna like the Rattler thing was one of those where you saw it and you're like, wow, okay, that changes. And we don't know if it actually changes anything. I mean, he got benched this year at Oklahoma, but all that means all that really means is he's not as good as Caleb Williams which not being as good as Caleb Williams Back might not the be the worst analogy. thing in the world. Yeah. yeah. might not be exactly. as good as Caleb Williams, but you still got into Harvard. Well, it's, just, it's, it's the Jalen Hurts-Tua thing. Like, Jalen Hurts wasn't as good as Tua. 
Jalen Hurts and Tua, last I checked, are both NFL starters. Yep. Jalen went to Oklahoma and was fantastic. I think part of the reason but he why he wasn't as good as Tua. I don't know if I'd go that far is because Spencer Rattler just looked bad. Yeah. In games. It's not like he lost the job in camp to a transcendent talent that is going to change the sport. But he looked great he, in games at the end of, of the 2020 season. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's hopeless, he but has it I'm, in I'm a little bit more down well. on it because of that. Yeah. He has it in him to play well. That's but we don't know we don't know what he'll be. We don't know what Max Johnson will be at Texas A&M. We don't know what Bo Nix will be at Oregon. But I do think it feels more than ever that you know, you feel like your fortunes can turn more quickly now. And I'm not talking about what we were talking about at the top of the show. We're not talking about your fortunes turn and suddenly you're a national title contender. But you can go from being a bottom of the league team to a top third of the league team with one good year either signing high school players or or out of the transfer portal or a combination of the two. I mean, I guess the, you know, as we are 37 minutes away from ringing in the new year together, the lesson of the 2021 season is that you can make $100 million by doing really well in the portal. And this is a good lesson. It's great work if you can get it. $100 million. I think it's $95 million, but... You know, what's Buddy, we're going to round up, friends? okay? Like, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> what's an extra five mil? We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Oh, man. Um, I'm very excited to watch the... Yeah, Mel Tucker's either going to be a great success, a the biggest disaster in the history of coaching contracts ever, or, or he's going to be in the, the NFL third, in two The years. third option, yeah. <laughs> they can't fire him because they're on the hook for so much money. So he has a couple down years. They can't fire him. And then it all gets better because he's had some time and yeah. they didn't fire him before they should. Yeah, actually. like And like five and like six years from now, it's been a roller coaster, but he's riding high and he's like, yep, see, told you. Well, that's the thing about it's like an interesting point that you make, because like I think the number one issue that some administrators have at the college level is lack of patience. And that if a coach has a year or two that's down, they're ready to give up. If you give a coach that has an up year early on so much money that you can't afford to fire him, then you are married to the potential of seeing it come full circle. Yeah. I can get behind that idea. Well, it's, it's, it's the whole basketball one where everybody says if coach K had the same first few years at Duke today that he had when he actually got hired, he'd have been fired before he ever got great. Well, the churn is so high now that maybe maybe that's what it takes. Maybe it takes putting yourself on the hook for $95 million. It's like if to buy to force you to be patient. I think Dabo Sweeney won 10 games in year two. I don't remember. He did. It, he did. They and they won their division. In year two, they might have won the league in year two. I know that year they, two no, they was won the league good. in 2011. They won the they they won the league in 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 2011. So, but if you took Dabo Sweeney's first four years and started them now, wouldn't he have gotten fired too? Maybe no. But he almost got fired in 2010. He had to fire Billy Napier, who was his offensive coordinator at the time, to save his own job, and then he hired Trad Morris, Taj Boyd, Blossoms. They win the league. 
They get torched in the Orange Bowl, which forces him to fire Kevin Steele. Philly Napier and Kevin Steele, by the way, go on to great success elsewhere. But he brings in Brent Venables, and that's when they truly become what they were going to become. And now Brent Venables so, is going to make Oklahoma a national champion. Okay. So do you and I agree that Venables will recruit the way that they need to recruit to one, compete in the SEC when they get there, and two, win national titles? I find it very because interesting. I, I, I think he's been he's had to recruit that way, so he now he, he knows what he's looking for. I think it's interesting to visualize Oklahoma with a defensive-minded head coach. And it's just like, I wonder how much of the quarterback whispering was Lincoln Riley. I think you can assume that it was a lot of it. But if he's smart enough, Venables, this is, to hire the right offensive coordinator and Oklahoma can continue to attract the offensive talent they had been attracting for the previous three or four years while matching that with a defensive eye that has shown that it can find Isaiah Simmons and then also recruited a high level because his reputation, you might assemble an Oklahoma team that is better all around than any of the Oklahoma teams were the previous four years. If, and similar, even if they take a half step back when offensively. Bob Stoops got hired. Now the, the difference when Bob Stoops got hired is they'd had John Blake who was good at getting good players, not necessarily good at coaching them once they got there. So Bob Stoops walks into a loaded roster. He hires the right offensive coordinator and Mike Leach. And they put it together. Now Leach wasn't there for the second year when they won the national title, but they were running that offense. So that's essentially what you've described. You also have to appreciate that, you know, there's a, there's a thing that I think I've made a mistake on in the past. You know how I do like the pie chart of coaching jobs and the percentages of what their jobs are. Yep. And I did like 85% recruiting. I would still keep it at 85% and then, you know, strength and conditioning and culture building and foundation, all that for the, I think you need to add another 5% in there somewhere and take 5% away of coaching hires, assistant hires, because, oh, you know, the, the, it's a uh, huge part. I mean, look at Nick Saban hitting look on at how much turnover Nick Saban has had to deal with. I actually think I would think that that one is Nick Saban couldn't hire anybody and he's such a genius that they're just great under him. Like, I wonder like if that one's just reverse, but I don't, I don't think it's that. I, th I think there's a skill to it that he has that not, not a lot of people have. Yeah. I mean, either way, you know, it's Nick Saban, but so if you miss on your luck, 20% skill, 15% concentrated power, will 5% mm -hmm. pleasure, 50% pain, 5% coaching hires. Yes. Right. Yep. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that we uh, like we've seen great coaches fail because they hired the wrong coordinators, and you've seen uh, mediocre coaches who are now fired win national championships because they made the mm -hmm. right coordinator hires. So like it, it goes go. both ways. So you know, well, it's like me making the right co-host hire. Well, you did once. Once you came on board, everything took off. You are the Joe Brady of podcasts. Okay, I'll take that. Like that's that's all it is. Is you're just you're just call dialing them up, and Joey Burrow is throwing them to to Jamar Chase. Yeah, I. What you you think you're at Orgeron? Oh, I mean, is that I, what you just said? I, I would probably eat as much gumbo. That's for sure. <laughs>
It's like I think yeah. I would. I think I would rather be Ed. I'm the well, dispensable the one when who you gets become fired. A, when you become a massive star and leave for more money, which you will eventually, who's going to be my Bo Pelini? That that's the question. Like, yeah. who's going to come in here and wreck this thing? If I said somebody's name, that would be super offensive. So I'm just not going to do that. It, it would be, <laughs> but I just I I hope it actually is someone like Bo Pelini who will just come in like deadpan, just swearing the entire time screaming the f-bomb somebody who doesn't believe that stars are important so like Stuart mandel like a potty mouth like Stuart mandel yeah uh <laughs> Stuart mandel will come in and just i don't know are we gonna Stuart mandel is bo polini is that how we're gonna end the last show of 2021 <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little joke we have because they put the e on the on the audible they put the explicit label on the audible because because either Stewart or Bruce will will swear sometimes. We I was try, listening we try to a not podcast to work blue on this show. I was I swear on on other podcasts. I keep it cleaner on this one. But I was listening we, to we one try of the, not to work blue. But I was listening to one of the audibles like a month ago, and Bruce just dropped this most emphatic f bomb. I've ever heard oh, yeah. in my entire life. The Sagarin ratings episode. Do you remember that? Like Stu was like, well, yes. actually in the Sagarin rate. And then Feldman was just like, I don't give a F about the Sagarin ratings. Stu. And I was just like, I was in my car and I almost like steered my car off. It was, but it was like the most perfect. The thing about cursing is that if you do it at the right time, the way that Bruce did, it's the perfect compliment to the point that you're trying to make. And I think it was super effective. Right. You use it for emphasis. Yes. And if you don't do it very often, that it, it retains more. its power. Right. Yeah. Now, Bruce, I can tell you what probably happened there. Have you ever been around Bruce when he's hungry? Was he hungry? If you thought I was bad, if you thought I got hangry, hell hath no fury like a Bruce Feldman denied waffles. Like when he's ready to eat, he's ready to eat. And, and may God have mercy on your soul if you get in his way. I will say that when I was out in the uh, Southern California area for the opening in July, we went out to dinner a few times and Bruce had some A1 uh, restaurant recommendations during a time in which everything was closed and he still came through. So oh, I, I trust that guy with, with a good food, good, good food recommendation. Oh. He, he's sneaky good there. Knows what he's doing. So guys, listen to the audible if you want to hear a few more cuss words. Stay here at the Andy Staples Show and friends if you want to hear a few less. But every once in a while, we'll, we'll sprinkle something in there. Ari. Yeah, my New Year's resolution New Year. is to drop you... more F-bombs next year. You thought I was going to say F yeah, didn't you? I almost did. But no. No. We got a brand to stay. We got to stay on brand. Ari, happy New Year. Go kiss your fiance. Go Peck your baby daughter on the on the head. Hopefully she's asleep right now. Andy, I had a I had a hell of a year, man. I bought a house. I got engaged. I had a I got pregnant and had a baby. Um, well, that would have been a hell of a year. But I think you know your fiance did that. Yeah, yeah. We got pregnant and had a baby. Had a great vacation. <laughs> yeah. She had a great year at work. You know, I had a really great year at work. We really settled into you know a groove on this show, which I'm super thankful for and. You know, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, we got the number one and the number one two team in the composite rankings facing off for a national championship. I got to be honest, man. I don't. I don't have a care in the world. I'm. A, I'm a pretty happy dude, and you know, we got a wedding to plan, and 
five stars to watch and everything's going great. Should all the acquaintance be forgotten <laughs> and never brought to mind? Just remember that stars matter. I don't know the words, but I th- I'm pretty sure that's it. Sounds good stars to me. Stars matter. Sounds right to Georgia me. Georgia and Alabama playing for the national title. They have the best players. One of them's going to win the national title. Boom. We'll do it again That's next it. year. That's yep. the season. We'll talk to you Monday. <laughs>